Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. We're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 4 at the very end of the Bible, go all the way to the back. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Hear the word of God. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated in your space. And at home, please uh, put your popcorn down and your Diet Coke and listen to the word for a moment. (laughs) Such a weird thing to teach online, but, you know, I'm very thankful that we have the technology to do that. I think that's amazing. I was telling the first service earlier that, uh, you know, when Jesus returned to his hometown and he preached for the first time, that the congregation decided to try and throw him off a cliff. And so you guys that are online, sorry, you didn't come to enjoy that experience after the service today. But I'm hoping that those of you that are here will behave yourselves and treat me nicely. My family and I haven't been back here in 11 months. And so we're super excited to be here and connect with people we haven't seen in a long time. You know, recently I was in a pastor leadership class, and there's an author named Leah McIntosh. And Leah said something really profound in this class, something that stuck with me a week ago and I've been thinking about ever since, and I'll probably repeat until my kids are annoyed with me. What she said is, quote, people don't fear change, people fear loss. Now, at first, this sounds kind of silly, I think, because, of course, people fear change. Nobody likes change. You don't like change, do you? Like, nobody likes the tape 
on the pews. Nobody likes sitting at home watching online except for, you know, maybe those that do have the popcorn and Diet Coke. I don't know. But most of us would rather be in person and see each other's smiles and give each other hugs and shake each other's hands. Of course, we don't like change. I'll give you my own example, though, because I think when you dig really deep, you find out that, yeah, people are sort of afraid of change, but underneath that is a fear of loss. And so in my own example, for those of you that went to church with us for years and years, you know that about a year ago, we were asked to go and serve part-time and temporarily at Union City and Coger United Methodist Churches. And as you know, we ended up staying full-time <laughs> and taking an appointment from the bishop to serve there and stick around. But when they first asked me in April to stay full-time in Union City and Coger, I said, no, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And at first I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm just afraid of change probably. Like maybe I'm afraid of new people and a new church and different worship and having to get to know all new friends. You know, change is uncomfortable. But at some point I realized my real reasons for not wanting to leave Mustang and go and serve in a pastoral role is because I was afraid of losing all of you. All my friends, my church family, those I cared about, my Sunday school class. I was afraid of losing Reuben and Caitlin's worship up here. You know, I was afraid of losing Barbie as a teacher to my kids. I was even afraid of not seeing Joe every week. I don't know why. Yeah. I was afraid of losing out on Aaron's preaching or Ron. I see Ron back there. Ron Mitchell's warm smile and encouragement that just like fills you full. I was afraid of losing things, not really afraid of change. We can handle change. What we can't handle is loss. Loss is really what we fear. And we all know during this time, right? The last nine months, we've lost normalcy. We've lost routine. We've lost, in some cases, our jobs. Or at least we fear losing our jobs. We have economic insecurity. We fear a lot during this pandemic. One of the things we fear the most is the loss of life. You have experienced that. A friend of mine, not four years older than me, passed away last month from COVID. And it's painful. It's difficult. So all that fear led to me saying no first and then kind of working through that fear and saying yes to an appointment in the church. God had me standing at a threshold, just like all of us are standing at a threshold from an old place to a new place. Now, you guys don't know, but my congregations down the street know that it's not a Sunday unless I quote an Irish writer. So I'm going to quote an Irish writer. The one I picked this week is John O'Donoghue. If you haven't read John O'Donoghue, you need to, because he's the kind of guy you read one page and you think about it for a week before you ever go back to the book. He's that deep and thoughtful. So it's a long quote, but bear with me, because it's going to talk about crossing from the old place to the new place, crossing over this threshold of change. So John O'Donoghue writes this. He says, at any time you can ask yourself, at which threshold am I now standing? At this time in my life, what am I leaving? Where am I about to enter? What is preventing me from crossing this threshold? What gift would enable me to do it? A threshold is not a simple boundary. 
It's a frontier that divides two different territories, two different rhythms, two different atmospheres. Indeed, it is a lovely testimony to the fullness and integrity of an experience or a stage of life that it intensifies toward the end into a real frontier that cannot be crossed without the heart being passionately engaged and woken up. At this threshold, a great complexity of emotion comes alive. Confusion, excitement, sadness, hope, and yes, fear. This is one of the reasons that such vital crossings are always clothed in ritual. It's wise in your own life to be able to recognize and acknowledge the key thresholds. To take your time. To feel all the varieties of presence that accrue there. To listen inward with complete attention until you hear the inner voice calling you forward, the time has come to cross. Now, the hard part about crossing a threshold, as you guys know, is that you have to leave behind a place that you are to enter a whole new place. And there is loss in the move. But then there's also gain as well. You know, it's pretty easy to cross a threshold when what you're leaving isn't that great. Maybe you have kind of a crummy job and it doesn't pay very well. Pretty easy to leave that and cross the threshold over into the better paying job with maybe some friends that you have or a better environment. But when the loss is great, boy, it's hard to make that transition across that threshold to a new place, to a new space. Now... Why are we talking about all this? Well, COVID, 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 COVID. We talk about COVID. That's all we can do because it impacts our lives every day and every second and every minute. We are all leaving an old place right now and crossing a threshold into a new place. But it's not like walking through a door, you know, like that would be pretty fast. Walk right through the door. Here we are in our new place. But COVID has decided to take a while And so it might be a year, so instead of walking through a door, we're walking through a tunnel, a long tunnel of a threshold to the other side. As we cross this threshold, it may take so long and be so slow that we may not even realize it when we've made it to our new place, but we will likely remember the old. John, who wrote this letter, knew fear very well. If you remember, John was there when Judas betrayed Jesus in the upper room. John was there when Jesus was arrested. John was there when Jesus was beaten and crucified. John was there when Peter ran into an empty tomb and there was nothing there but linen cloths. And John was there when he saw every one of the other disciples killed for preaching the gospel. Yeah, John had seen tremendous loss. This was a man who knew loss and knew fear. And yet he gives us a message that's way too simple. (laughs) Because he says, fear has a fear. Fear has something that it's afraid of. Fear runs away from love. Fear can't handle love. Fear can't be in the same room with love. Fear is the opposite of love. And so the answer to our fear that John gives us is love. Easy, right? Sermon over, I'm done, and I'm going off the stage. No, wait. 
We've got to talk about this. Because when we're most afraid, when we're most anxious or worried or concerned, that's when God is calling us into mission. That's the moment. When we feel that fear, that's the knowledge that God's speaking to you. When we're most afraid is when God is saying, you have work to do. Now remember, this ain't the feeling love, like the warm and fuzzies that you have for your spouse or for a neighbor. No, Bible love is not fuzzy, warm, feeling love. Bible love is love that does stuff instead of just feeling stuff. And so Bible love is love in action. Or sometimes you hear the phrase, love is a verb. That's what we're talking about, this love that does stuff. This love looks like, well, I'll give you some examples. It's too easy in the news to find bad stuff. I mean, if you look at the first 26 headlines, they're all bad news. Murder and devastation and death and destruction. But if you get down to like the 27th news story down at the bottom, you can find good news if you're looking for it. This week, I went looking for good news. I went looking for examples of love in action. And I found some. There's an 11-year-old that makes these gratitude and encouragement flags. And if somebody's struggling with COVID, they plant them in the yard or they take them to individuals to bring encouragement into their lives. There's a couple that met a single dad trying to teach his kids at home during the pandemic in a tiny apartment with only one bedroom. So they gave him their beach home and then helped him teach his kids. My favorite one, I think, is the daughter whose father has Alzheimer's and he's in a retirement home. And you all know, if you've experienced this, that if you're in a retirement home, you can't have visitors right now most of the time. It's really difficult. And so what does she do? She quits her well-paying job and takes an hourly job at the retirement home, at the nursing home. So she could be with her dad, but then guess what? Even worse, she falls in love with all these other people. So now she's gonna stay there. That's her job, her new calling in life that God brought her to. If you look for it, you can find and see love everywhere, but it's not always easy in our world. Our world seems to value fear and value anxiety. But love casts out fear. As we said, fear can't exist in the same room, in the same space as pure love. And when we sacrifice ourselves, and when we give generously to those around us, it creates a courageous fearlessness. When we sacrifice ourselves and give generously to those around us, it creates true courage. Now, what's interesting to me about this letter is that John doesn't say that fear has to do with the unknown or that fear has to do with change. John writes that fear has to do with judgment. Judgment. And another way that it's translated sometimes is punishment, that fear has to do with punishment. In other words, when we feel fear, often we're actually feeling a sense of judgment or punishment. And this makes sense, right? If you've gone through a difficult time, isn't it true that sometimes we say, God, have you abandoned me? Or if you're suffering, do you sometimes say, God, where are you? Where'd you go? Or why are you making this happen to me? Why do I have to go through this difficult circumstance? 
Sometimes we believe when bad things happen, it's because we're being punished, and even worse, punished by God. How do you escape that kind of punishment? Very hard to do, right? But guys, I got news for you. That thought process that God is punishing you, that's a lie. John tells us that's a lie. It says clearly in the Bible, and Jesus Christ is so clear that God doesn't punish his own children. He might discipline us once in a while. I've definitely been disciplined by God before. But we are not punished. We are not under judgment. So the pain and suffering that we feel, well, we're left to ask ourselves, why? Why do we go through this? Why do we have to go through something that makes us so fearful and full of anxiety? One thing we could say is that, you know, going through a difficult time is an opportunity to draw near to God, right? And we know this because when times are good and there's money in the bank, kids are healthy, school's going well, work's going well, we don't rely on God that much. We kind of got it together. We come to church on Sunday, we sing a song. But when times are hard, when you've lost the job, when the bank account is empty, when the kid is not healthy, well, then you grab on tight like a lifeboat, don't you? You just grab on and hold on to God. This is how God gets us through those difficult times, but it's important to remember God doesn't cause those difficult times. We have to remember who our real enemy is here, right, guys? And it's not comfortable to talk about in a modern world, but the fact is evil wants you. Evil wants you. Evil will pursue you, will come after you. And there's only one way to get through that and to conquer that evil, and that's in Jesus Christ. When we abide in him and we follow him and we draw near to God, evil has no control on us. So you can see God's love can cast out fear because knowing that God loves you means there is nothing to fear, including the worst, which is the evil that we experience. So how do we overcome fear, anxiety, especially during this time? I mean, our pastor's missing, right? The staff is sick. That's difficult. That's uncomfortable. That's scary. I think we do it by loving. Loving others, loving in action, loving as a verb, sacrificing ourselves for our neighbors and complete strangers by doing the uncomfortable thing, doing the difficult thing, doing the inconvenient thing, even doing what seemed like the impossible thing, like having church on Facebook or YouTube. In that space, we can cast out fear because we know we're not being punished by God, but we're being called by God in love to love more deeply and love more faithfully and love more generously than we ever could have imagined was possible. Moments of crisis call for courage. And what John tells us is that the most courageous thing we can do the most fearless, the most brave thing we can do is charge into the world armed with weapons. That's not right. Not weapons. Armed with political power, right? That'll fix it. No, that won't fix it either. The most courageous thing we can do is charge behind the hiking of heaven into the world armed with love. You guys know this passage very well where the Apostle Paul writes, love is patient. 
Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It's not boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Paul ends by saying, love never ends. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.